0: Welcome back to the nitty-gritty. Today's a special one, folks. You're going to hear why. Get your Kleenex ready. Get ready. I need, uh, You'll hear, but we had a... I think the only way to describe Jody Orgil Brown. There's one person that this person really reminds us of. They're, they share so many strengths and energy, and it's our dear, dear late friend, Kimberly White. Yeah. And Jody's story is very, very similar to Kim. She is a motivational speaker. She is a a, a consultant coach. She does everything. And you know, we started off, uh, there's something about Jody. meeting her,
1: you know why she does everything, right?
0: uh, Totally. Totally. (laughs) And, and it has nothing to do, you know, you'll hear about what she suffered with. You'll, you know, if you look at her picture, you can kind of see she had a brain tumor. What episode was that? Eight, episode eight, Kim White. If you haven't heard that episode, go back and listen to it. But, um, there was, it has nothing to do with what she went through with her medical issues. Like you'll hear it with us. Like we don't even, she basically says, you know, this has been nice cuz most people jump right it's a to this little change, yeah. And I'm like, we just wanted to learn about Jody and there was so much there without, yeah. What she went through that the, she is such a special special person and
1: I don't want to ruin it. You're going to have to listen cuz you're just yeah. like take time, listen to the whole episode. You're it's go- worth it. It'll it, take you through all sorts. Uh, journey is crazy. It, we it,
0: have fun. Cam cries. We'll have fun. And I mean, Cam cries. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> I mean, it's true. There was some stuff I really needed in there and I'll bet you, please comment on this one. Yeah, I let want us know. to know how this touches you, what you needed this for, what you wait, what part of the episode did you need to hear? Because there's about, what do you think? 10 different stories that really, really like they're going to connect with all of you, but which one was the one yep. like, that's what I want to know. Um, we will have her on here again with Lucas. You'll know what I'm talking about soon. If you listen, we love you. We are so grateful for you. Thank you. This Thank episode you. reminded us how special this well, how podcast. lucky we are to like, be
1: able to do this.
0: How blessed we are to get to do this. It's because you guys listen that we get to get these incredible people on. So keep supporting us, please, so we can keep meeting these special people and and doing our part and giving our angle, which I think our angle is unique. Yep. To you about these people, and we just love you, and we're so grateful. Thank Enjoy so it.
1: much. Welcome. Nitty Gritty is back. I'm here alone because Cam is finishing his breakfast. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> but we're here with Jody Orgel Brown. And I want to make sure I say Orgel right. It's not Orgel. It's Orgel.
2: It's or- Orgel. <laughs>
1: orgel. Yep. Said it wrong. Jody Orgel Brown. And this has been fun because this has been something we've been trying to set up for a long time. Months and months and months. And summer's hit and COVID hit and other things, but we are here and so excited. And we actually got introduced through Dan Davis. Yes. So Dan, if you don't know Dan, the Sturry Man episode, what was it? I just wrote it down. Oh, right there. 86. So, and man, he's going through some tough stuff right now. Yes, so, I
2: was with his family last night, and they're making the best of it, um, but they are going through some hard times, and yeah. Dan is one who always helps people find the good in the struggles that they've been through, and so hopefully everyone is helping him yeah. do the same at this time.
1: Yeah, so if you listen to the episode, reach out, give Dan some love, because any love and
0: encouragement is, is out so needed I, right Is now. there a quick, like, can you tell me quick what's going on? Because I've been a little absent on social media the last month or so.
1: I don't know that I do a good job explaining. Just a lot of his health issues have gotten more and more
0: serious. I did see one just yesterday about his, was it his wife getting like a birthday Yes. Like that's, a wardrobe, like yes. a fashion expert, like a whole wardrobe. Like yeah, the That's why I was with them. Is we that had, had a big, cool. he
2: did a big surprise birthday party for his wife and that we had sweet. a fabulous time together. But Dan is having some health challenges. None of it is easy to explain, right. um, but he's had major surgeries. They're trying to fix some
0: problems that go throughout was. his
2: body, and he's going to be having another major surgery in about two weeks. Oh, poor so.
0: man. That's why he was gone, because he was going... On, I think he said he was on his way. He recorded a video for her, and I think he said he was on his way to a pre-op like, that meeting would make or sense. something. and Jeez, man. Poor guy.
1: Yeah.
2: But you well, know I'm what? With him, all that's going one. on, he still had a huge smile on his face when I saw he's, him last night. He was best. still giving out hugs. Even yeah, as he was sitting in his wheelchair and going around, he was making the best
0: of it. It's so the yeah. reason him and Kim were fast so, friends. Exactly. Right?
1: Yep. So yeah, we're so excited to be here. So thank you again. Um, thank you. And I just kinda wanna start from the beginning. I wanna get to know you a little bit more. I mean, we kind of learned a little bit as we were pre, pre-episode chatting, but you grew up around here, right?
2: I actually grew up in Northern Virginia, just outside oh, no. of Washington D.C., and then wow, so when much I of my chatting
1: that I so that off. I learned a little bit.
2: Well, my parents have a home old. here, and I graduated from Orem
0: High School. See, that's why. That's, that's why, why you
2: made that assumption. High school
0: is technically what should count. Yeah.
2: Well, okay. I, I had my junior and senior year of high school in Orem, okay, and I right. grew up in a town called Warrenton, Virginia, okay. which is now a suburb of Washington D.C. Best place in the world to grow up. Um, and then we moved to Orem when my dad started working with Stephen Covey. So we came to Utah Super for that. cool.
1: What was out there? Is that where your parents were from?
2: No, they went out there for jobs. So my dad worked for IBM. Okay. He went to VYU for his bachelor's and master's degree and ended up with uh, IBM, which at the time they were in Virginia and Maryland.
1: Okay. Very cool. And then work brought him
2: back. And then work brought him back to Utah. Cool. And so at the lovely time, it is a junior in high school. Worst time ever you could move. My family uprooted me, (laughs) moved me all the way across the country.
1: (laughs) I know I was talking to someone about kids in schools because we're moving right now. And we're talking about moving our kids. And I was like, I went to five different grade schools. It's fine. But moving in grade school and moving in high school are pretty different.
0: Yeah. but, But if I was moving into your new house, you could move me to Africa. I don't even care. If that's the house I'm moving to, put me wherever you want. Sign me up. We're Sign ready me to go. up. It's a nice house.
2: Well, I went to four different schools it. in two years during my transition from ninth grade to eleventh grade oh, because that, we weren't exactly sure where we were going to end up. And four. we four schools. It See, was- I think
0: that's the hardest time because I so I moved eighth grade. From Huntington Beach, California, mm. to 1993 Heber City.
2: <laughs> nice. There's
0: a very big difference between Heber City in 1993 and what's over the over the mountain right now. I think we had a streetlight, and I had to fight three cowboys the first two weeks because I was like the blonde surfer kid in the Mexican poncho and flip flops, but. Holy crap, it was traumatizing. It was a little traumatizing for
2: me to come here, uh, just from the D.C. area to Orem. I said, there's more churches here than 7-Elevens. I could not (laughs) believe it.
1: That's so true. So why did you move so much? Once you got here, did you go to different schools? Or was it out there where you're moving around?
2: No, it was the transition of trying to figure out where we were going to ultimately be. So we had times where we thought we were going to settle in one area and it didn't work out. And so we'd rented a place. And so I just ended up switching because of that transition. Once we actually moved to Orem and found a place to live, we were settled. It it. was that whole figuring it out in in between that uh, caused a little upheaval in our lives. However... I did take advantage of it as much much as possible. Trying to be the new kid is not always fun, but if you work it, you know, it can be okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs)
0: Working it. That would be pretty advantageous if you knew how to work it.
1: I figured it out.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, I'll bet you did. What did you figure out?
2: Um, I figured out that you just need to be open, get out there, be yourself but as outgoing as possible which I always was
0: oh see this is the healthy version of how to do it I <laughs> thought you were saying like I would cry get presents for my parents
2: oh I no.
0: acted depressed I got to t- no, they no, took no, me no, to no. that's not
2: the way to go oh, yeah. I would Jeez, say we're you, very different you just need to get out there and show people that you want to be a part of things oh. and the more that I did that the more accepted I became it was actually hardest when we finally settled down in Orem because Orem High School was so big in comparison to some of the other schools I had attended, and no one knew I was new. It just didn't seem to matter, and that was actually a little tricky, so it took me a while to establish myself. People just assumed I was stuck up because I wasn't talking to them. They didn't realize it was because I didn't know a soul in the 2,600 kids that went to the high school.
0: There are some pretty sharp people from Virginia. I Maybe they were just that. intimidated. There were you Some know, pretty only smart eight people U.S. From presidents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, only eight U.S. Just, presidents. Just a couple. <laughs> and as a
2: Virginian, you learn that and you have pride in it. Isn't that funny? That's you. one thing
0: about the South I kind of love. Like every state down there, I mean, none of them even hold a flag to Texas. Texas, they think way too highly of themselves. But
2: <laughs> Have you been to Virginia?
0: I have been to Virginia. <laughs> Actually, you know what? You're right. Like, We're I taught remember that there's Bronco. a
2: pecking order. Yeah. <laughs> We're pretty near the top.
0: You know, <laughs> you know North Carolina
2: is great. South They're Carolina is good, but they are not Virginia.
0: No, Virginia definitely has their noses up. Like, but they kind of are on top of everybody physically and, you know, figuratively. Geographically. Right? Geographically. Geographically. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably the smarter word than physically. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. I own a barbecue restaurant. Okay. Moving on.
1: <laughs> oh, that's funny. So after high school, what did you do then?
2: After high school, by then I was in Orem, and I went to BYU, which had always actually been my dream, even before I moved to Orem. In fact, I had to remind myself that my dream was to go to BYU, because once I was in Orem...
1: You didn't want to go anymore.
2: I still wanted to go, but it seems like a lot of other people didn't think it was so cool. And where I grew up, it was a pretty neat experience to be able to go to BYU, and so I had always had that dream. We used to go on Saturdays to our church building so that we could pull up the football games and we could watch the football games. And so my my family were just cougars back as many generations as I can think. Yeah. So I always wanted to do that. And even though it wasn't as cool coming from Orem to go to Provo, uh, I still decided I was gonna do it and just had a great experience there. And my junior year at BYU, I did a semester abroad and went and lived at the BYU Jerusalem Center in Israel.
1: Oh, that's cool.
2: Awesome experience. And that is actually where I met my husband. We met
1: in Jerusalem In
2: Jerusalem, on a semester abroad. We were that's in the same romantic. class. It, if sea you think about it, yeah, it's actually <laughs> a very awesome. romantic yeah. place. Wow. Our first kiss was on the Sea of Galilee. It seems like you really would be, be blessed bad. if
0: you meet somebody there. You know what I mean? Like it's a that's a healthy place to start well, a relationship. And to establish like, the
2: foundation of a new relationship uh, yeah. while touring the Middle East and seeing the biblical sites. Wow. It was an I incredible would, I, experience. I, I
0: want to oh. go over there
1: so bad. That's really cool. Where did he come from? Was he from Utah?
2: He was from Ogden, Utah, which oh, okay. is why we are now settled in the Ogden area. Okay. I had never heard of Ogden, Utah at the time. <laughs> he was actually from a, a town just outside of Ogden called Roy, which is even smaller oh, and yeah, more good backwards. Old Roy. I played
1: played Roy in baseball when I was young. There you go.
2: Now I've come to love the Ogden area. It has a fantastic business community, lots of unique shops and businesses. 25th street is one of the greatest downtown areas, not just in Utah, but in the world. It's got a great little downtown area and lots of movies are filmed there. It's always rated one of the best downtown areas. And it's It's changed a ton.
0: Because, I mean, uh, growing up, Ogden's always like, you're like, Ogden? Ugh. But then you go up there now, like, the, I mean, the businesses they've attracted, you know, some of the bigger companies. It's and it, it, that's is it. Hip the right it's word? Hips <laughs> is that's hip a perfect. Hip word that, now? I mean, that's, that's what, what we fe- would use. That's what it feels like. Like, yeah, you go downtown, it's amazing. Plus, to have some great golf up there.
2: Some great golf, Ogden, some great Country Country restaurants, yeah.
1: I never golfed it. That's
0: Country amazing.
2: Club, Mount Ogden, golf course. There's a lot
0: right. of good golf courses. Okay. Now that I'm a bowler, okay. Storm Bowling is in Brigham City right next door. They probably have like some competition <laughs> lanes up there. Yes, they do. I'm going to go. I can't <laughs> wait.
1: So did you like come home from Jerusalem engaged?
2: Not officially, but unofficially.
1: What did your parents think? They like sent you away to Jerusalem and you came back. You're like, hey, I found a husband.
2: My mother was actually a little bit relieved. I don't know if I <laughs> should say this because she didn't like the guy that I was dating before. <laughs> That's all we're going to say about just that. just
0: like Andrew's wife. <laughs> Jenna, whenever, when, when we met Andrew and he came in, so we're brother-in-laws, we married sisters and we remember the day that Andrew got brought home and- the bar was pretty low for me. We'll, we'll, just, just, say that. Say, we'll <laughs> just say that compared to the ones that we met before, everyone was like, marry him, marry, him. marry him. <laughs>
2: Well, when I called my mom and told her that I had met this guy, she was actually, once she found out that he was from the BYU group and not Palestinian or (laughs) Israeli, she was so (laughs) relieved to know I would be coming home. She gave me the best advice I think anyone could have given me because I was worried about things. I was worried about the guy back home. I was worried about what this was going to do. I wasn't planning on getting married at that time. I had none of that on my radar. And she just said... Isn't falling in love wonderful? Just what? enjoy it. Enjoy your time falling in love. And from that moment that on, bad. not only did I look at my mother differently, but I also right. just relaxed and didn't worry about the other things and just enjoyed the time that that's we had to spend together.
0: Because moms, you know, sometimes they can be a little difficult, but they do have those instincts. Yeah. And well, so for her to let her guard down like that and say that, that's. I mean, that's basically like getting the blessing, right? That's like, she's into it. I think she had some
2: good instincts and intuitions early on because before we actually went to (laughs) Jerusalem, we had meetings where they brought all of the students together and they gave us protocol and we had to take classes and know what was acceptable and what was not. And they brought our parents and families came in and they did introductions and you know, got you ready to go have this semester abroad experience. And I remember sitting in a room full of 500 people with the students, their families and parents, and they had some group leaders and they had all of the group leaders stand up and introduce themselves. And simply for the matter of facilitating travel, they had these group leaders that were each going to be in charge of, you know, 40 students getting them over there. And my mom looked around the room and she said, you know, your future husband could be in this room. Oh my gosh, She said that? And I totally wrote it off because... I knew who I was dating and I wasn't thinking along those lines at all. And sure enough, my husband was one of the group leaders who wow. stood up and introduced himself. And then six months later, we were married.
1: <laughs> wow. How cool. So how long were you in Jerusalem for then?
2: We were in Jerusalem for about, I want to say 10 weeks. And okay. then we traveled through uh, Egypt afterwards. Okay. So we we went through Egypt, Jordan, and Israel, and then they had an add-on that you could do for another 10 days where you could go through more of Egypt. So I did the add-on okay, and just had a fabulous experience, Super really cool. cemented so many aspects of my life, of my testimony of God, of what I wanted to do, what I wanted to be, um, seeing people who really were in poverty and struggling also made me aware of things that I really hadn't seen in Oram, Utah or Northern Virginia. For sure. And made me aware that most people don't live like we do. Yeah. And I had always had in my mind that I wanted to work in the nonprofit arena, but that really cemented it, that I knew I wanted to do something that would ultimately help the people around me and, and help people.
1: What, what inside of you kind of attracted you to the not nonprofit? kind of like giving back area
2: i think once i got finished my degree so we came back from israel got married several months later um my husband had already graduated that the trip for him was his graduation present to himself is that before he started his real world job he took a semester off and
0: you guys were totally meant for each other then <laughs> that's pretty cool yeah
2: i i you know, we went to BYU at the same time, but we had to travel 6,000 miles away in yeah. order to find each other. And More so, people need to do that. And actually, this year, we are celebrating our 25th anniversary, which blows my mind because wow. I don't feel like I'm that old. But uh, what an amazing experience that we started yeah. with and have just
0: so been able awesome. to build Congrats. on. So
2: Well, thank you. So what are you thank doing
0: you. for 25? Are you guys going to go back? Can you go, go anywhere back right Israel? now? No. 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 You can't go to That's Israel right now.
2: I want to go on an African safari but Whoa.
1: That's my wife's like ultimate bucket list.
2: We've done some fun travel, but oh. we have that. We want to go to Mexico City, and we want to do an African safari. Those
0: are a few of the things like that we want to do. Every dangerous place on earth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no Jeez. Mexico.
2: A lot of people feel like Mexico is super sketchy, but I, I love just Mexico. Feel like
0: all of Mexico is super sketchy. Oh, I now. love
2: Mexico.
1: So I we love people Mexico hanging too. from
0: overpasses and you just think it's like the wild, wild west down there. But it's But true. also it's the nicest
2: like people. Oh, they're the best. Biggest hearts, most giving and most caring people. And they're you know what? That's ultimately what it comes down to. That's why I knew I wanted to get into the nonprofit field is I love people. People are my, like that's where my heart is.
0: Where does that come from? So something that you said earlier that kind of, you know, reading about you, like looking through your website, what stuck out was you were talking about how you were at Orem High, you were kind of like the person you are exactly right now. But it in high school at a new high school, like you just gotta own it and meet people and just get out there. And where does that come from? So, how many brothers and sisters did you have? Like,
2: I have six siblings. Okay, my dad.
0: Where um, do you fit in that?
2: I am the second. Yeah, okay, and. I've always been this way. I mean, I spoke at my preschool graduation. Well, let's wow. just put it that way. I, I was the speaker at my preschool graduation. <laughs> I
1: love it. I didn't <laughs> even know they had speakers.
2: I was the speaker at my high school graduation 14 years later. So i am wow. always been an open person. I love to get to know people. I love to chat. I love to explore new relationships. And when I moved to Orem, it's funny because coming from Virginia, where I had been my whole life and... Well known and well liked, and I had been a cheerleader, and I'd been on student government, and I moved to a new place. And what was the first thing I did was I ran for student office and failed miserably wow. because no one knew who right. I was. Um, but, but still, the fact that you did that—that's
0: crazy. And yeah. the funny
2: thing is, I knew it impressed the school leadership because the administrators caught on, and they actually got me involved. Even though I lost all of the elections, they got me involved on the back end, and snuck me in in a few ways when cool things were going on that the school got to participate in. They Uh allowed me through a back door to come in and participate. I think they thought I would also be a good representative of the school. Sure. And so when the school got an award and actually was going to go to Washington, D.C. to accept the award from Senator Hatch, they sent the student body president, the student body secretary and me.
0: No way. <laughs> Even
2: though I wasn't we in call the, that the third
0: door here in this podcast, it's exactly what it's called. It's the right?
2: open window the that you sneak door. in, you open it a few inches and then you use it off. to crawl in.
1: Have you read the book, the third door? No. So you need to. Okay. So that's why this podcast exists and people are probably sick of hearing about it, but well, so tough. The, yeah. So the third read door, read the book and we'll stop talking about it. It just talks about how there's a third door to success. And it is that it's, opening a window, jumping through it, finding, you know, and
2: you only need a crack. Exactly. And once you have a crack, you can get your way in. And my first book actually got published because I took back door, side door, crack through the window, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that's how it happened. And so I'm a firm believer. You got to use whatever tiny opening you are given yeah. and then you find your way in Yeah. and you find your way in from relationships and people. Right. Once you get in and you start Meeting people and developing relationships, uh, it takes it takes the struggle out because once you are invested and in, you know and love people, you all want to help each other.
0: I saw I saw a video, of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints video the other day about what was it? It was just one of those little, you know, they can be a little cheesy, but <laughs> this one was actually kind of cute. It was this lady that talked about she read somewhere to just like put your phone down in line if you're in line. Say hi to Talk somebody. Talk to the people like, around you. Put your you. phone down. So she's at the grocery store. There was this cute video of her, like this guy getting cat food. Like, oh, do you have cats? I have dogs. And he yeah. he lived alone, old man. It was just like today's my birthday. You know, he just she got the chance to tell him happy birthday. Probably the only person to say it. And it's like, but that's exactly. So since then, I've kind of been doing that. Like I've been Being trying to like,
1: because
0: yeah. that's totally me. I don't know why where that kind of goes. I think it is the phone. Like it's just. I love talking to people. And, and yet now we're all so
2: distracted and busy with ourselves right. and the people online that we forget about the people who are right in front of us. Yeah, totally. And right now I have very strangely a post that's going viral online and you can't plan these things, right? right. I no. just made a post on Saturday about an experience I'd had and it just started to blow up. So, but that's oh, exactly cool. what it was about. What was it? I went on Friday and was driving through my neighborhood to go take my son to a doctor's appointment. I saw a little girl standing on the side of the road, uh, about a half a mile from our house, and she was holding a sign and it said rocks for sale. And I thought, rocks for sale? If this little girl (laughs) is selling rocks, she must not have anything else right. to sell. Yeah, And I wanted to stop, but we were on our way to an appointment. So we went to the appointment on our way back. She was still standing there selling her rocks. So I started to pull over and my son said, mom, I got to go to work. I, we can't stop right now. So I took him home. I went in, grabbed some cash and I got back in my car and I drove back to wow. talk to her. And I said, so you have rocks for sale. Tell me about these rocks. How old was she? She's probably, I would guess maybe 11, 10 or 11 years old, maybe 12, you know, a little hard to tell at that age. Sure. Um, And she was telling me about her rocks, very proud of her rocks and said, I said, wow, well, they're beautiful and I'm so glad to see them. she said, you know, I've been standing here for two hours and you're the first person who stopped. And I already went door to door trying to sell my rocks and no one wanted to buy any. So I grabbed out my $20 bill and I handed her the 20 and she said, oh, I don't have change for a 20. I said, well, you don't need to give me change because I'm going to buy four of these amazing rocks. And so, you know, that'll take care of it. And this little girl started to cry. Tears started streaming down from her face. And she said, we have this little cat and right now we can't afford to keep the cat. And my mom said, the only way we can keep the cat is if I can earn the money to buy the food for the cat. She said, so now if you're really going to buy four rocks, I'm going to be able to buy food and we're going to be able to keep my favorite cat. Wow. And I got home and all I could think about the rest of the day was how $20 would literally change this little girl's situation at that time. Yeah. And to me, it wasn't even, you know. It was 20 bucks.
0: Right. Yeah. And I, can't I get bought over how rocks. She chose rocks. Yeah. Like, how cool is that? Well, and like, she
2: she said, if you don't like these, I have a bucket with some other ones. And she showed me her oh bucket. Oh my gosh, And some of them so were just cool. little broken off pieces. And she said, with those, I wrap them and I make them into pendants and I sell them. And that's her. what she was able to do. That was how she was able to oh my do something to help herself. And So I high-fived her and I told her, you know, how much I loved her rocks. And then I just said, you know, if you need anything in the future, just come out and hold your sign so that I know Mm. and drove away. And I haven't seen her since then, but I posted that on Saturday, just took a picture of the rocks and holy moly, I don't know what happened, but clearly that little experience resonated with people. For exactly the reason that you're talking about, Cameron, it's that we forget to look around and see what's right in front of us. Yeah. How many times do you drive by the lemonade stands and the kids selling Rice Krispie treats or cookies or whatever, but for some
0: reason, the girl
2: selling the rocks, it
0: just really I would have pulled over me. for rocks. Oh, like, yeah. I, would I love like, rocks. <laughs> well, and it, it's not even that for me, It's it's... With the lemonade stand, their mom made the lemonade. (laughs) But a kid selling rocks either loves rocks or doesn't have anything else to sell. And they're like, you know what? I'm going to figure it out. I think I'd pull over just to see which one it was. Like, uh huh. And
2: I think that's how I felt. And I think it was a combination of both because she told me that the rocks came from Oklahoma and she had a (laughs) whole bucket of them. I love it. Um, See, Cohen would sell
0: rocks, my son. He's obsessed. And he'll just be like, did you see the crystal in this? I'm like, "Uh, no, I think you're smoking crack, but I'm like, it looks cool. But I mean, he loves them, you know?
2: I love rocks. I bring home rocks from everywhere we go. And my kids give me sticks and rocks for gifts and I get so excited because I love nature. I have a little waterfall in my backyard. So when I get rocks, I go put them in a special place in my waterfall. That's cool. I could decorate my whole house with sticks and rocks.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. We need to interview this girl. We need to find her. You should be so cool to like, you should just pull over and ask her some questions.
2: Well, I'm going to find her because I know the apartment complex that she lives in. Yeah. And I had so many people online reach out and say,
0: can I I give her a gift card? Can
2: I get her a subscription to...
0: Cat food. Yeah, cat food or cat Cat smart. Send a big cat tree. Yeah. You know, so I've just, got
2: people who are now donating to help this little girl. And once and, I have a little aren't bit. of people cool?
1: Yes. Like isn't, that's what I love hearing stuff it's like remi- that. And it's, it's, a it's a why reminder. it's viral is we do need to be reminded about there's so many good people because it's all the negativity and the divisiveness. It's it's all over us. Airways, right. You know, and so it was it's such so a great to
2: reminder that. to me of one of the things that I speak on all the time, which is that every interaction is an opportunity to change a life. It's one of the mottos that I live by.
1: That's so and good. that
2: moment with that little girl was the perfect example.
1: Will you say that again?
2: Every interaction is an opportunity to change a life.
1: And that's so good.
2: And in this case, it wasn't just one life. It was my life, it was her life. Probably the lives of her family members and her little kitty.
1: Sure. Yeah.
2: And now the thousands upon thousands of people online who are inspired to say, you know what? I'm going to pay more attention. I'm going to look. I'm going to stop
1: at the next. I'm going to stop.
2: Know. I'm going to talk to the kids. I'm going to look. I'm going to search out those opportunities that are right there, but I'm probably just passing them by.
1: Yeah. So important. Yeah. I mean, going back to just the distractedness that is our lives, just slowing down and being aware of other people and what's around you and being able to kind of tap into that, I think is so valuable for us right now.
0: Well, I've cried twice already. (laughs) Uh, My
2: job here is (laughs) done. Holy crap, Jody.
0: It's amazing. It's such, so funny how such small things are such big things. And you're right. Like, Every interaction is an opportunity to change your life. Like, holy crap, that is such amazing advice. Yeah, And when good. you
2: really stop and think about it, and when you really use those moments standing in the line at yeah. the store or having an interaction with someone, the cashier who's checking you out, when you use those and you look at them as an opportunity, it changes the whole way you see the world. For sure. Well,
0: and people forget, especially here, you know, there's a heavy heavy majority of us are Christians here. Right. And it's like we, how many of us have had a trial or a difficult thing that another person ended up being the answer to a prayer, you know, or a struggle that you had. So it's like, if you don't lift your head up from your stupid phone, how many of those opportunities are you robbing yourself of having? having? And it's yeah. like, we've all suffered something. So it's like, let's put it to good use for crap's sakes. We can't do that.
2: And I think COVID made it worse because people almost yeah, got a little social anxiety about getting back out yeah. and being around people again after so long being on their own. We kind of got used to being in our own homes yeah. and started feeling comfortable. And then when you have an opportunity to get out again, you're almost a little nervous to go and interact with people. Sure. We started to lose a few of those skills
0: yeah. and I'm so I think glad. people are hungry for it though. Yes, they I'm are. so glad they're that we're scared, starting to. They're but they're hungry. And so that, if you and can just
2: take that five seconds of fear and just blast through it and that's be all it brave, takes, that's right. all it takes. As soon as you start that first conversation, you're fine, you're we're good. we're
0: doing this in preschool, <laughs> Jody. <laughs> <laughs> Holy I think crap. I get it
2: from my dad.
0: He uh, We didn't dig in I that's the thing like second I was like second kid of six like don't really have to stand out because you're kind of on the older side. But yeah, that I wanted to kind of dig into that because I mean preschool, I mean a lot of that type of stuff sometimes is inborn, you know, it's just your nature. Absolutely. But there's got to be some nurture involved in there somewhere.
2: Well, I do believe there has to be and the fact that my dad was a trainer and consultant and was always oh, yeah. not just talking but walking the walk. He used to have us listen to those affirmation tapes wow. <laughs> at night. Really? So I would listen to waves that in the background, you know, told me that I was strong and brave I love and it. and so I've been doing things like that my whole life. I love to consume um, books and self-help and business and any yeah. guru out there I want to read. Tony
0: Robbins. It. I'm obsessed. Tony Robbins, he's my guy right now. I just can't stop watching him work with people. It's just like, it's crazy.
2: I love John Maxwell currently. Yeah. He's amazing um, and love the work that he's done. He said at one point in time, he has a quote that says, you don't go to the top, you grow to the top. Gosh
0: dang it, I got to I want just one good quote. <laughs> like I want to come up with just one good one that people are like, there's this guy, Cameron True. <laughs> 350 pounds, striking cooks great barbecue. But just kidding. Said One day. said this. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. we
2: can come up with something. The fact that you are not from the south, that right. you were living in Provo, Utah, you saw
0: <laughs> February, barbecue
2: competitions online and a year later you were in those same
0: competitions and winning. <clears> and winning. Yeah.
2: Speaks volumes about you.
0: That's so the ADHD wormhole. That's what that's called. I went down the wormhole. But I will tell you this. Every single success I had in barbecue was relationships. Amen. Like literally 1000% like I could, I could draw a timeline and the person just like Arizona, Oklahoma, Texas, like all these big pit bosses where I did a little favor, helped them out, was kind of their person in Arizona or in Utah and then they owed me a favor and then they had something come up like come out here I'll show you this or they'll trade me a secret for I don't have any meat today bring bring me a bis- brisket and I'll give you a recipe just stuff like that and it's and you're right it's 100% relationships oh for sure I think that's in all right all access but pe- all acts we all need life. reminded of that like yeah. just sitting here with Jody like it's a, just that thing on YouTube with the church the other day too it's like Like that quote is going to be ringing in my ears for the next two weeks. Like every interaction is an opportunity to change someone's life. Yeah, How cool.
2: And where that really occurred to me was when I was in the hospital and we haven't even talked about what most people want to interview me about, (laughs) Um, which I actually want to say thank you. How great (laughs) that we're talking about something other than a brain tumor, because that's usually (laughs) what people want to know about, Uh, because that's what, how people came to know anything about me was through the struggles that I had. And I did have a brain tumor that was wrapped around my brainstem that was deemed inoperable by an entire healthcare system. And only through a series of what I now know were divine miracles were we able to find someone who operated. And But in that process, they were able to remove about 80% of the tumor. I do still have about 20% of the tumor that is still there that they just can't get to. It has not regrown, which is a huge blessing. But from those initial three brain surgeries where they were trying to remove the tumor, um, it did leave me with facial paralysis, a spinal fluid leak, a condition called pneumocephalus. Um, I lost the hearing in my right ear and then developed chronic migraines and Uh. left me with more than a few deficits. And for the go-getter, conquer the world girl that I had always been, it was devastating to not only not have control of anything in my life, which was probably one of the most difficult things, um, but also not to be able to help anyone else because I couldn't even help myself. And... It was during that time, being in the hospital, being in neurocritical care for 35 days, fighting for my life, that I realized how important every interaction is. And there were times where interactions with someone took me very low and made me just want to give up because I realized they didn't see me. I was just a body in a bed. I was a name on a chart and that took not only my will to live but my desire like if mm. they can't see me and they're assigned to care for me then who am i uh, and it was devastating and then there were other people who used what could have been just a check the list on their jobs for the day having to bathe me for heaven's sakes and yet turned it into a beautiful experience I had one particular day where I was desperate for um, a shower. I had been in the hospital. I had been sicker than sick. I had been completely bedridden, hadn't been able to get up for days. I was finally doing a little bit better. And even though at that time I had to be showered in bed, just laying flat, and they would literally just come and shower me off, but I thought, I need to shower today. It will help me feel a little bit more human. And then of all days... A gentleman, CNA, walked in and introduced himself. And I thought, oh, crap.
1: Today's not the day. <laughs> Today's
2: not the day. So I just decided showers, overrated. My teenagers have proven that time and time again.
0: <laughs> you don't
2: have to bathe <laughs> to get away with, you know, functioning. So I decided in that moment, okay, I'm not going to have a shower. But if I could just get my hair washed, maybe I would have a little bit of that sense of myself restored. And so I looked at this guy who was probably early 20s, long, brown, scraggly hair. And how old were you at the time? I was 33 years old.
0: Okay. Four little little kids.
2: (laughs) Well, so I asked him, I said, Lucas, you know, is Christy or Heather here? Could someone come in and wash my hair? And he just kind of looked at me and he said, I can wash your hair. Oh. Oh, okay, great. Thanks. All right. Appreciate it. So he just said, you know, hey, I'll be back when I, after I visit the other patients, I'll come back in. And a little while later, he came back and went, whole cart full of supplies. Wow. I thought, are you sure you're not going to the circus? Because I don't know what you're going to be doing in this room, but it doesn't look like we're just going to be getting my hair washed. Um, But he clearly knew what he was doing. He had me scoot to the end of my bed. He took a black plastic garbage bag, draped it over my pillow and had it cascading off the end of the bed down into a garbage can so that when the water dripped on the plastic bag, it would waterfall down and be caught in the garbage can. And when all was ready, he had me scoot up to the top of the bed and he said, I know that this is difficult, but close your eyes and just try to relax. And he spent the next half an hour massaging, not just shampoo and conditioner onto my head, which at the time was mostly shaven and covered in staples and scars. What he did was he really massaged the humanity back into me. The dignity that I had lost from feeling like I was no longer a person, all of a sudden came rushing back. And I realized there's still a person here and he sees that person. And I don't know if he knows the power of what he did, but... It has been 12 years and I can still describe Lucas to you down to a detail because that young man, not only did he change my life, in some ways he saved my life. So when I talk about every interaction being an opportunity to change a life, I'm not saying it in a glib way. His kindness truly saved me. And at a time where if I had died, it wouldn't have been from a brain tumor. It would have been from hopelessness because I had been fighting the fight for so long and my body was so sick and my energy was so depleted. It would have been so much easier to give up. And I needed every reminder and every little bit of strength to keep going. And Lucas gave that to me at a critical, critical time. And that was the only time in 35 days in the hospital that he was my CNA, but I do not think it is a coincidence because at that time he really helped infuse me with the will to keep fighting for my life.
0: I think it's time to find Lucas.
2: I would love to find Lucas. Yeah.
0: Do you know his last name?
2: I don't know his last name. I bet
1: it'd be pretty easy to find.
2: He worked in neurocritical care at the University of Utah Hospital in 2009.
1: All right, people. Someone find him. Find
0: Lucas. I
2: probably even have a picture of him somewhere. We could maybe We're gonna a get post. him sponsored
0: by Paul Mitchell. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my gosh, Lucas is my hero. And he doesn't know it, but he's a hero to thousands of people now who have heard his story of how he touched my oh life. Oh my gosh,
0: we gotta get Lucas in here with Jody. Well, I
1: mean, just, I mean, think about that,
0: right? So cool.
1: Washing someone's hair. He probably does that how many times a day? You know what I mean? Like such a, See, to I, your point, a like check the box type of task. Like I gets think done you're wrong. Often.
0: I think he knew exactly what it was.
1: He it, did what I'm saying though, but yeah. it's not like that's the only time he's ever done that as part of his
0: job description. Okay. Totally right. Like the way he brought in the supplies, knew how to cascade the water off the bed. Like I think, I bet he knew what that meant.
2: He clearly knew people. what to do. Yeah. But I do believe that Cameron, you're right. That in that moment, he also knew that it was more than just getting my hair washed. For but sure. like him,
1: what I'm saying is like the fact that he was able to be open to that totally and right. understand the significance of a
0: seemingly insignificant moment right. or act. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Even telling you like, just relax, just close your, close eye. your like, eyes. Like, yeah, knew you were probably stressed about it. Like, wow. Well, like, That's but how? A story. How many of those types of
1: moments? are out there for each of us. Right. Right. Like a simple act. If we just slow down a little bit and try and tap into or understand the other person. Right. I mean, it's the simplest and the stupidest thing, smiling at someone as you walk past them and saying, hello, who knows if they were having the worst day ever and a smiling face gives them the strength to take that next step. Well, I
2: I have found that as well, because with facial paralysis, one of the challenges of facial paralysis is that the happier I'm feeling and the bigger I smile, the more unnatural it looks, because that's when you see the asymmetry in my face. Sure. And so... When I get really giddy and excited, and I'm like grinning my biggest grin, that's
1: that's when it's the most obvious. When the,
2: it's the most obvious that yeah. hey, there's something wrong with her, <laughs> and but what? So here's what I have discovered.
0: It's horrible, I but love it, it.
2: but it's also a superpower.
0: Well, no, and that, that's what I mean. Like I, I think there's such an energy when someone is that happy, and it's like I would hope that I wouldn't even notice. Like I would hope I would notice the happy. You know what I mean? And if that's what you such do a hope for. But, but, but yeah, I get it. You get
2: enough of the other that you realize, okay, clearly I know what they're seeing. Right. And a few years ago, um, I went on vacation to our family vacation spot. We have a ca- cabin on Hevgen Lake in Montana. So we always go into oh, wow. West Yellowstone, which is my favorite little town. Oh, we went awesome. to go to the movies and I saw someone who was buying, I was buying movie tickets. And the lady looked at me, she says, I remember you. Like, uh, you remember me? She's like, yeah, I worked here a couple summers ago, and I think you came. And I was like, I'm sure I came a couple summers ago. And But that experience made me realize I am memorable. That's right. And I can use it as, it could be a negative thing, or it can be a positive thing. And so I use it now as a positive thing. Yeah, that's I know people are going to remember me. I know that they're going to look, and they're going to see that something is different. And I decided I can either... Leave them wondering, or I can make them remember something positive and something uplifting. And so I use the fact that I'm memorable to do some good. And I think I'm going to leave them with the best experience possible. So that when they think about that person who maybe didn't look quite right, but uplifted them in a wonderful and positive way.
0: Totally. It's an amplifier. I mean, it's... Well, when I heard when I heard you telling the story, there's two things that really stuck out. Like, no, I'm gonna, I'm totally gonna cry. Hold on, it's
2: okay. Crying just means you're feeling things deeply. Oh, Embrace I am. it.
0: I am. Um, um, just hearing that the preschool talking Jody, like hearing that you were where you were in the hospital. I think for most people that would be normal, but for you. To me, that really put some like more meaning to it, like of just how bad it was, because for you being what we know of Jody so far, like that must have been a really low, low. And so, <sighs> sorry. Um, but it's funny because you know Kim and Kim White and I have were good friends. We still are good friends. Um, and I just remember thinking that people like you and like Kim, God does amplify. Like there's something there that has to be put out to more people and her sickness was that amplifier as hard as that has to be for that person it's a way that God can get you out to more people. And gosh, that's a heavy burden for you, but I've known you for 25 minutes and I'm very grateful for it.
2: Well, I think you're exactly right. And I remember being in the hospital and getting to the point where I realized, I think I'm gonna live. I I think I'm gonna make it through this. And having this overwhelming feeling of, what do I do now that I'm going to live? And then having this kind of epiphany, this ray of light come down from God that let me know this isn't about a brain tumor. This isn't even about you, Jody. This is about letting people know God still exists. He's still a God of miracles and still answers prayers. This isn't about me at all. And it's interesting that you use the word amplify and amplifier because when I decided that I needed to start sharing my messages more, I started a company and it was called Amplio Development. <laughs> and Amplio is the Latin term for amplify, no. to elevate, to increase, to improve. And I thought that is what I am supposed to do, is help people. Come to know God, come to know themselves, and come to love other people. And if we can just do those simple things, if we can really see each other and have those moments and become better instead of bitter from the things that we go through, then we're rocking life. We're succeeding. We're doing what we're supposed to do. One step, one person, one relationship at a time. One, buying one rock at a time. Yep. Stopping to see the individual behind yeah you know just the scenario you you could drive by a million storefronts and not think a thing but i'll tell you god did not let me drive by that little girl without having a very specific thought come into my mind
0: well i mean you went past multiple times right see that's the interesting thing to I, me it's like i felt like something was trying to throw you off there like what was trying to get you 100 uh-huh. you know you're I mean? right because sure. i
2: tried to stop twice i wanted to stop the first time i looked at my watch can't stop yep. wanted to stop the second time my son's like we can't stop uh, you're absolutely right
1: third time i like, hello get back there let's yeah. go
2: i got home and i could not think of anything else yeah. other than i got to get some cash and i got to get back over there while she's still there
0: yeah well and what is what is how long does she carry that for the girl
1: forever just you know, like just like, like this if she's like getting her get, hair washed
0: she'll right, carry like, with her forever if she didn't get the 20 but it was 20 bucks for you it's nothing, nothing right for her like her companion like we know the power of our pets and what they can do to heal us and how special they are for children especially like for their psych you know psychological development from happiness to social skills, to all that, right? Learning how to take care of something. There's so, that 20 bucks is so loaded with good. And the power
2: of humanity. What she will think of is that people really are good at heart. yeah. And that even though she couldn't get into many doors to sell her rocks, she's not gonna think of all of those doors that she didn't get into. She's gonna remember the time that a lady stopped. And, and, yeah bought her rocks.
1: Yeah. It's made me think Stephanie, my business coach, she she would always tell us that events only have the meaning that we give them. Like we are like, we are meaning making machines. So we have the power to control whatever narrative it is, right? No matter what the event is, it's that actual event is just that we get to decide what that means to us.
2: And I think that's one of the things I've discovered as an author and as a speaker is you get to assign those meanings, and you can find one little moment, but when you assign great meaning to it, that is a powerful, powerful moment to share. And I think that's why that post has gone viral. Yep. I think that's why the story of Lucas hits so hard with people. Um, I have people who write me letters and messages, and oh my gosh, if we could just find Lucas." And then they created a hashtag, "Live Like Lucas." You know, and I just thought, oh my Lucas, god. Where are you? <laughs> Lucas, we're going to find you. <laughs> gosh,
0: dang, we are going to find you.
2: And I don't even know if he's going to remember that event, but it is oh, cemented in my mind forever.
0: He'll remember. Forever. He knew. He knew.
2: I hope that he did. He but did. you think of the hundreds or thousands of patients that he saw, and to him, I yeah, probably didn't Jody. look that different. <laughs> no,
0: you were still Jody. Seriously, I I'm I'm convinced like how many people stop for the Rock Kid, right? Like, it, I keep thinking of the social experiment. Like, we should set up ten year olds all over the country with <laughs> "I'm selling Rock signs," and then let's interview the people that stop because I bet the people that stop are Jody's. Well, it's, seriously, it's the it's the poem. Me
2: cry. <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> it, I mean, well, it's the poem. I always have a story or poem I quote. Love, right? It's amazing. It's, it's my a story thing. about like Christ. How they, there was this class where they were all of these religious professors in, and they were teaching them about the life of christ and so they were learning every different aspect about his life like all of the like the nitty-gritty right, right. of who christ was nice. and see so how i snuck that in there that. <laughs> but then for their final test what they did is they they showed up to the class because it was like a credited course or it was something so if, when they got to the class, they said, your test is across campus. So they had to all get across campus.
2: I've been in one of these experiments.
1: And when they walked across campus, there was an old man hobbling with the cane who dropped his cane. There was like a child crying because she dropped her like three or four people along the way. And none of them stopped. And so they all showed up and they said, you've all failed this test. You, you've learned about Christ, but you don't know him. Yeah. Right. You
2: have not yet become like the man that you're trying to. That's right. But emulate. Like Christ,
1: we forgive you, and we're going to let you have another <laughs> shot. Yeah. But <laughs> it, but but it's so true. You know. I mean, it's like all of these things. It's
0: like people know what to do, but they don't do what they know. Yeah. You know. And well, it, it it takes practice. You yeah. know, for some people it comes more naturally than others, but for some it takes practice, and that's okay. I mean, you listen to this podcast, and I guarantee that you'll start. You know, that's how you train, Just do right? one thing, right? Just do that's, one thing that you, it. yeah, anyways. That's and as it. you
2: look for it more, as you look to find those situations that, where you can be a powerful influence, you will find them everywhere.
1: Yes, you See, will. See,
0: that's the thing, like, and you're going to need that too. Like, that's what people forget is your day is coming. Like we all, I mean, that's what the, li- that's what life is about, right? Is It's going to be hard thing after hard thing after hard thing. So it's like the more that you can be a solution or an uplifting force in someone's during their hard thing, like you're going to have that call it karma, call it whatever. You're going to have that for your next hard thing because it's coming. It's going to you're going to you're going to get it.
2: Absolutely. And it reminds me of. Two quick stories that are kind of tied together in my mind. When I got out of the hospital and I was starting to figure out what this new life would look like, and I went out to lunch with one of my girlfriends. We took our little boys. We went to the local Wendy's and they were eating their, you know, chicken and fries and whatever. And uh, we were—I was just visiting with my friend and we were trying to catch up and and a a gentleman came up to me and I will call him a gentleman because I am kind, not because he was kind. But he came up to me and stared at me and he said, why are you wearing your Halloween costume so early in the year?
1: Oh, wow.
2: And I just stopped.
0: This is an adult?
2: This is an adult. I would guess a man in his 50s, maybe 60. Holy
0: crap.
2: And my friend looked at me with this just expression of horror on her face. Did he just say that to you? And I just looked at the gentleman and said, you know, this is not a Halloween costume. This is the face I wear every day. And then I just turned away from him and went back to conversation. But it was fairly upsetting to me. And time after time, when things like that happened, I wondered You know, oh, I should have thought of some snappy comeback. You know, what am I going to say next time? Next time this happens, and sadly, there has been plenty of next times. Um, But then on the flip side, just what you're saying, Cameron. One day I was at the pharmacy. I was going to pick up some painkiller because I was in a bad, bad place. Brain tumor recovery, very tough, and left me with a lot of pain for many, many years. And I was in desperate need of having some relief. I hadn't slept, I had a migraine. I was in a bad place, and I went to go get this prescription filled. And the pharmacist came and told me, "Well, we can't fill this because this is um, this is uh, what do they call it a controlled, a, a controlled yeah. substance, and we can't fill this." I'm like, but my doctor prescribed this." Well, but the code that was used isn't quite right, you know, so we can't fill your prescription. I'm going to have to make some phone calls. We're going to have to see. So immediately, I'm feeling terrible because here I am trying to fill a controlled substance and then, and the, even the pharmacist is looking at me saying, sorry, but we can't give you this. So they went to make some phone calls and I sat in the pharmacy on a chair waiting for these phone calls to be made and I was just in tears. I was in so much pain and I was in such a bad place and I just kind of had my head down feeling awful. And a woman walked into the pharmacy and went up and she got her prescription with no problem. And then she looked and she saw me and she said, "Jody." And I looked over. I didn't recognize this woman. And she said, are you Jody?" I said, yes. And I stood up and she went over and threw her arms around me. And she said, I read your book and your book changed my life. I'm so glad to see you. And I just started to sob because at a moment where I was at my lowest and I was in so much pain and feeling so unseen, she knew who I was on the inside and she reinforced me and gave me that sense of love and energy and strength as she hugged me. And within a short period of time after she left, the pharmacist was able to get the prescription called in and I was able to get it filled and go home and go on with the rest of my life. But what I remember from that day is this woman who saw me, and even in my moment of need, she proceeded to give me the strength that I was so desperate for in that time. And I think that's exactly what you're saying, Cameron, is there will be those times for all of us, whether it's loss of a family member or an illness or a job situation that we hadn't planned on you know you just don't know whether it's something that happens in the world just flips everything upside down and all of a sudden your hopes and dreams are devastated because the business you saved up your whole life to open has to close i mean we're going to have those times and the best thing we can do is link arms and help each
1: other through it because who knows what's on the other side like if you would have walked in and got your prescription filled you would have left no better. You would have had the medicine, but you would have have left no better. Oh,
2: wow, that's beautiful. Oh, I love that.
1: And so, I mean, you have to go through those, right? You have to experience both sides of it sometimes.
0: It's like. And how about the like healing energy of a hug? Yeah. I mean, I bet you didn't feel pain for a couple of minutes. You know what, I didn't. You know?
2: And it's one of the reasons that even though with people feeling anxious to get out and be around people again, there's nothing more important to do because all of the worry about what's going on in your life, your own pain, your own distractions and worries go away when you start to have amazing interactions with other people. And I mean, they've always said that, you know, service is the best thing for someone when they're hurting is go and find someone else to serve. We need to be out there. We need to be interacting. We need to be hugging again. My gosh, we need to be hugging again.
0: If I give one more fist bump, I'm gonna punch someone in the face. The
1: fist, bump's like gonna be the, nose.
0: the fist bump. the nose. I'm like, I <laughs> swear to elbows? you. Or the
2: elbows. I mean, okay. Uh, see, I won't yep, do I that. Love your if elbow, their but... elbow up, I'm gonna
0: slap their elbow, or I'll lick it. I'll just be like, <laughs> 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 how funny would that be? Like, um, Sarah, I'm like, COVID's been gone for a week. We're good. <laughs> We're good.
2: COVID's been gone oh for a my week. Gosh, let's
0: just chest bump. That's hygienic, right? Can't we do that? We're just Fun. shoulders. We're hips. But yeah, it's so funny like because you're totally right. The touch thing is it's huge cuz seriously like you think of the hug and what you felt inside and it's like there's so much healing energy there. Or is, when someone
2: reaches over and grabs your hand and squeezes it at a time where yeah. you just don't know if you can get through that moment. Um, you know, those are the times that you remember. Even if it wasn't the person That you remember the most, but you remember that energy and that hug. I was sitting in a courtroom one time with a dear friend of mine, and they were awaiting a um, decision from the judge, from a a jury, and literally lives and fates were on the line. And one of the women whose husband was going through this, uh, I happened to be sitting next to her, and I did not know her, but I could feel her anxiety and her emotions and her fears and her tears and I didn't know what to do other than I just reached over and grabbed her hand, and she squeezed my hand so hard, like I, like it left marks, indentations from my ring and and her ring in my hand. And when they got a positive um, result from the trial and everything was going to be okay, you know, then she was able to have that joyous moment and all of that stress and relief was able to be let go of. But in those moments, I will never forget how how much she had been trying to hold on to and just having that little outlet of a hand to hold on to, someone else to share in that pain. How
0: many times has she told that story? I'll bet the woman, you know what I mean? Like, oh man, that's a big one. And I mean, how simple for you, right? You could just feel it. All you did was reach over and hold her hand. But I I bet she has told that story 200 times.
1: Just learning about the power of a moment, right? A simple action. Yep, and ha- what it can do, right? What is it? So every interaction is a chance to change your life. Is an opportunity, opportunity to change, change your life. It. I almost got it. It'll be there.
2: So close. <laughs> um,
1: man, there's so much fun we could have, but I know your time's coming short. So if you want to learn more about Jody, book, author, speaker, there's a ton out there, but I want to just end because what you're talking about now I think is so important. And it's about this this idea, this training of becoming anti-fragile. Yes. And man, I think we need that right now. I think everyone is so easily offended by stuff. So tell us a little bit about that. What is what is it and how did this become kind of your focus right now?
2: Really, it started from uh, several years ago in 2012, a man named Nassim Tlaib coined the phrase anti-fragility. And he said anti-fragility is a, Um, property of systems that actually increase in their capability to thrive when thrust with volatility, stressors, mistakes. Um, And I heard that, and he was talking very theoretically. He was talking about how, economies need to be stronger so that, you know, one event that happens doesn't destroy an economy. He was talking about it. He's, he's a mathematician and a statistician. Brilliant man. I've consumed much of the literature that he has written. And if you were to try and look at his uh, models on anti fragility, they're so complicated, <laughs> you can't even... He would not say he's an academician, but I would say he thinks on such a high level. He's a thought leader. He, he comes up with these incredible, incredible concepts and thoughts, um, but really a lot of them remain high level. He's really talking statistics, odds, probabilities, how you can try to prepare for what he calls black swan events, which are really things that are unexpected, like when crisis strikes, when a pandemic comes, when you have a terrorist attack, how can you take these kinds of things and not have the economy destroyed? So that was the very high level where he started with it. And he went into more depth and covered many more areas. But when I heard the concept, I just thought, anti-fragile, oh, wow, systems that actually grow in strength because of the stressors and the mistakes and the volatility that they're facing. And I just started coming up with my own way of thinking about it. How could a person, how could a company become anti-fragile? And I love the example of evergreen trees. Because I look at an evergreen and I just, what do you think of it? You think of it as always beautiful, always green, always pretty. But the reality is an evergreen tree loses 25 to 30% of its needles every year.
0: They're all in my pool right now.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So you already know this, but an evergreen tree is really a new tree every two to five years, depending on how many of its needles are lost. And when I think of becoming anti-fragile, what it really is, is kind of a continuous... Um, investing in ourselves so we can also reinvent, so that you're new, so that you're keeping up. And so anti-fragile to me is, and using some of Nassim Talib's concepts, he talks about tinkering and experimenting, that you've got to try new things on a regular basis. We all know that those who just sat back and waited for the pandemic stuff to be over, they got left behind because it wasn't just a one-and-done thing. And only those who really tried new things, who said, hey, we're going to deliver our food to people rather than them being able to come to us. It was when you reinvented that you were able to keep going. And so... I've taken his concepts to a personal level and I look at it in terms of an acronym, growth. G is grit, which is Angela Duckworth's concept on grit. You have to have passion and perseverance. And I would add, you also need to have hope. You need to have hope that things are gonna get better in order to have that passion and perseverance. R is your response. Remembering that you have to adapt and that the quicker you can adapt and the less that that adaptation upsets Your life and your ability to function, the better you'll be. O is my favorite because it represents my life and it's outwork your weaknesses. And there are some things you may not be able to get rid of, but dang it, you can outwit them and outwork them. So find ways to camouflage those things that would otherwise make you weak so that they are no longer seen. Um, I and, thought you
0: were going to say orgel, orgel,
2: <laughs>
0: and okay. O is orgel.
2: That's a that's a superpower <laughs> too. But uh, outworking, so I think of it. I have when I'm on stage, I cannot stand still because I because of my deficits, I don't have great balance when I'm standing still. Mm. So I'm constantly walking on the stage. And I've had some people say, "Hey, why are you moving all the time? You you just can't stand still, and it's distracting for the audience." And So when I explained the fact that this was because of deficits, and that I was really trying to find a way around it, um, I had a coach who helped me say, well, let's figure out a different way around this. And so we started doing one of two things. I either have a table that is on the stage at all times, and it just has a glass of water on it. Um, But if I even put my hand on the table so that my body doesn't have to do all of the balancing by itself, then I can stand there as long as I need to. No one has any idea that that is your to keep strategy. Me balanced. Cool. That's my strategy. Wow. Or the other thing that I do is I actually talk about the elephant in the room. And I say, this is something that you wouldn't know is going on, but this is what's happening behind the scenes. Oh, wow! And when I address this and say, but right now what I'm doing is I'm outworking that weakness. I am right. outwitting it by admitting it by making it a non-issue, by camouflaging Addressing it so that it, you don't yeah. see it anymore, but by being strategic about it, that you can overcome those things. Um, because you can't always change your weaknesses into competencies, but no. if you can camouflage them, if you can be strategic and outwit them, then you can still make them non-issues. Yep. Uh, w stands for way in, and the short of the long of that means that you check in with the people around you. To make sure that all of the people on your team, whether that's in your family or the places where you work, you check to see the weight that they're carrying. Because so many times, you know, you might have a very competent and capable person, but you may not be aware of the weight that they're carrying outside of your relationship with them. They may be caring for an age of the spouse or parent or a sick child or dealing with other things. And that weight can impact their ability to function. And so when you do a regular weigh-in and you then share the load of the weight with the other people, whether that means you, you know, take a job away from someone and give it temporarily to someone else, or you spread out uh, some of that weight in other ways, then you're able to, instead of having them feel depleted, they can get through it and you can all become stronger through it. The T stands for tinker and experiment just meaning you got to try new things and you got to try them all the time. And when you try something and you fail, eliminate that. When you try something and you succeed, then you implement it into your system. Yep. You may have discovered, Cameron, hey, we have a thing. There's people all over the state that want our food. Maybe we should add this to our list right. of, of services. And now maybe you have a delivery route that you, know, right. you do, you know, whatever it is. But you had to discover that by experimenting. Yeah. And then the H in growth stands for hood. And by hood, I mean the group of people you go through life with. There you go. Parenthood, neighborhood, your growth hood. Who are your people? And making sure that you stay connected. Because we all know, we've all heard the studies that the people who have a good support system, a good network, live longer, they're happier. Because they have others who they invest in and who invest in them. And I'll tell you this. I did not save myself. And no matter what I did or could have done alone, it would not have been enough to preserve my life. But when surrounded by the right people and having a group that was cheering for me, helping me providing that strength that was when I was able to find the will to keep fighting to grow enough to get be strong enough to make it through that day that minute that hour to be able to keep going and to push forward and I know that as we surround ourselves that we then can have that ever growth so we can be like those trees we can reinvent ourselves but be green all of the time
0: Wow. Gosh, dang it. Don't go. <laughs> Please. Oh my gosh, I need this right now. I, d- I did just have something pop into my head. I remember this being such a special moment with Kim, but I want to hear just a quick little summary about your doctor, your person.
2: Oh, I have two, and together they saved my life. And Dr. Coldwell.
0: Cause you said, everybody else said-
2: Everyone yeah, else said can't no. Can't do it. Uh, one neurosurgeon actually looked at me and said, I wouldn't touch you with a 10 foot pole. Wow. Number one, what kind of bedside manner is that?
0: Yeah. My wife says that to me all the time. I'm sorry, I had to lighten that up really quick.
2: Good, cause it's we need here. that. We yeah, need those know, moments right? to lighten things up when it's too heavy. <laughs> um, but to then find someone who instead took the opposite approach and with 100% humility looked at my MRI scans and said I think I can do this wow. and then continued to say you are not alone like i am going to be with you through this journey i don't want you to worry that that you're going to have to struggle through this alone. I will be there with you the whole time. Now, neither of us had had any idea at that time how long the journey was going to be and how involved it was going to be and that they would have been doing experimental surgeries to try and save my life. But I always knew that he had my back, that he was there.
0: And who is this again? This is
2: Dr. William Caldwell at the University of Utah. He's the head of the Neurosciences Center. And he has been The president or the chair of the neurosurgeon society of america or something crazy like that and he is truly one of the best of the best and i don't know if he knows how much it means to me but just knowing that he wasn't going to give up that even when the solution was not imminent that they would he would go home after hours and research and try and look at possibilities and kind of come up with ideas That kept me going. And then the other man was Dr. Clough Shelton, who was also at the University of Utah. And I ended up being a long-term patient of his because he's also the one at the hospital who was responsible for helping people uh, with facial paralysis. And so I had the opportunity over the course of several years to continue visiting with him, lost my hearing, and he worked with me on that and helped me find help and therapists in dealing with facial paralysis. Did you know that there are facial therapy Therapists, like you can go and have therapy for your face. I have run so many marathons with the tiny little muscles in my face to try and learn how to use what was left to do the jobs of those things that um, were no longer there.
0: It's amazing. And
2: those men changed my life then and there is one doctor who is changing my life now and his name is Dr. Bavak Azizadeh and he is in Southern California and we are going through a process called facial reanimation and he is taking nerves and muscles from other parts of my body and surgically implanting them into my face. Holy crap. And by this time next year, I just might have a smile and fingers crossed I might be able to kiss my husband again. Whoa. So sometimes you don't think about those little things you take them for granted, blinking, chewing, keeping food in your mouth, kissing your husband. I would challenge you today to think about those things and be grateful for them.
0: It's interesting how you got the Jody of doctors. Isn't that interesting? The energy that, I mean, someone who thinks like you, you know, Thank you. It's pretty cool.
2: I've been very blessed to find some amazing people who love what they do and have literally dedicated their lives to helping other people.
0: Man, we could seriously just shut the podcast down right now and I'd be happy. This has been... such a blessing for us. So thank you for coming. It's
2: been a blessing for me too. <laughs> thank thank you. you very much. And I hope that you remember that we laughed as well as cried. Yes. Oh, <laughs> good. That, that's
0: why it was so fun. God. I don't want it to end. I'm actually really sad that it's ending, but we could do another <laughs> we one. We can do it
2: again. Yes, we can with Lucas. <laughs> oh, we need to find do that. Oh, we
0: got to find Lucas. Okay, you guys
2: got to help me find
0: Lucas. I want to get the whole panel together. Let's get Dr. Caldwell in here. <laughs> we'll get... I forget the last. I lot. can't say the dude's doctor from California. Aziza Day. Azizadeh. Day. Aziza Day. That's incredible. He's my
2: hero right now. I tell you. Uh,
0: well, because you can, th- you think about just electricity, nerves, like everything that's going on, and just there, it's it's a lot like your anti fragility, um, Talib Naseeb Talib. Naseeb Talib. Um, same thing. Just man. You've got all these people around you that look at their profession the way that you look at yours. It's really interesting, isn't it?
2: Well, and what is it that they say? You become like the five people you spend the no- most time yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So you really do need to surround yourself by the kind of people you want to be like.
0: I need new friends. My goal so always why to do you think like...
2: I'm here in the room with you today? <laughs> no, it's, it's, yeah, it, well,
0: That's interesting because, you know, maybe we take that for granted. Just the people that we get to share time with in the podcast and- the timing of some of it and just like, right. There's place, a reason right, this
1: episode the, was today instead of
0: six oh, you months have, ago. You have no idea. I wouldn't idea. even have
2: had the surgery yeah. then. And many of the things that I've learned since then, I wouldn't even have experienced.
1: Yeah. You got to trust in the timing and just appreciate it.
2: There's seven and a half billion people in the world. and What are the odds that we would be sitting together in this yeah, room today?
1: For sure.
0: Well, There's a reason. Let's, we're not even factoring in the people listening. And how many people we're going to hear from after this one? Because it's, you know, it's like, Kim, I will never forget Dr. Z. Like, we need to talk to Dr. Z. I will never forget that story of just, like, the you know, just the Superman. Like, he just came in, like, they said, what? No, I can do this. You know, and it's just, we forget. You know, I think with healthcare and everything the way that it is, you know, hearing that story about you trying to get your pain medicine and just... Sometimes we forget, you know, just having Bobby Tillotson in here. She's a friend of mine that's a nurse. At She left her practice at the U of U to work in the COVID ICU up mm-hmm. at the University of Utah. And we, we I think we both realized that you get kind of caught up in the news and that anecdotal whatever, and to have a real person and hear how real doctors and nurses are suffering and Working their butts off and giving everything to save people, and literally not even taking breaks. Yeah, Yeah. figure out how to beat this, and the smart people out there trying to to cure it, and it it does. It it gives you that reminder that these you know these doctors and these nurses and the CNAs, the the little guys on the the cafeteria workers, Mm -hmm. and I mean because there's stories being pushed to their max if they're in the hospital. They've got a part to play, right? And so, which is so funny because
2: that's the other thing that I am doing right now. In addition to teaching people about becoming anti fragile, I'm going and doing uh, caregiving for the caregivers at hospitals and sharing some of the incredible stories of people who did touch my life to give them that little bit of reminder of why they're doing this. They make and that, that little
1: motivation, to, yes. you know. Yes, and to, to remind them
2: that every interaction day. is an opportunity, and that every time that they are with a patient, they're with a person whose life is going to be changed by their experience, if they allow it.
0: Yeah, you, know, you just reminded me of something that I did along long t- on my mission. So I, I blew my knee out on my mission in South America, and I finished in Alabama of all places, but it was a very, very recently, like, Repopulated with all Latinos because all the sock mills were there. But the hospital there, nobody spoke Spanish. I was like the only one in town. So, four out of the seven days a week, I wasn't knocking doors. I was in the hospital translating. Oh, wow. I learned some new words there. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but, like, that I sat with over four people holding their hands as they passed away, just because they didn't have somebody to sit there. You
2: know what a privilege that like is. like
0: it was, I will never forget this old woman. She just held my hand and her skin was just kind of tearing as she held my hand. And, um, I mean, I have not thought about that for years and we all need to do a better job at remembering. Cause I mean, how many. Janitors at hospitals have stories of going in to collect garbage and just brightening someone's day. And you know, it's not just hospitals. You know? It's it's, any everyone is doing something. Everyone's going through something. Hopefully you listen to this and for the next few weeks you look at everything a little differently, all all because of you. You stop and
2: buy those rocks and you remember that every person around you that you have the opportunity to change your life.
1: Right. Well, thank you so much for coming in.
0: So Loved grateful. It. This is
2: what I needed today. Thank you. I'm
0: thank you I'm trying so to think much. of another question really fast before you go. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> thank you, Jody. That means a lot.
1: Thank you.